welcome back to another episode of the Gig Harbor Flycast. And my name is Blake. I'm the shop owner and I love to go on fishing trips and I host trips all over the place. And many of you have gone with me. But one of the really fun things that we have started to do more recently is that we've been able to bring along some of our staff so they can have some of these incredible experiences as well. In the fall, we took a couple guys to Belize with us, Aaron and Jake. And then on this most recent trip to Hobosh, Mexico, we brought Jack Naughton, also known as J2 in the shop, and Doug, our shop manager. Doug came along on the trip last year, so this was his repeat trip going back to Hobosh because he was supposed to go to Christmas Island with me in April of this year, and that trip has been canceled for the fourth year in a row. And so I felt so bad. I'm like, Doug, come along to Hobosh. I'll pay your way. So, so in this conversation today, I sit down with Jack and we talk about what it's like to be on one of these trips for the very first time. He had never done any tropical fly fishing before and had an incredible experience. And if you're a newer angler or, or at least new to tropical fly fishing, you're going to learn a ton from Jack today in our wide ranging conversation. Before we go and jump into this conversation, though, I want to let you know that we have some really fun trips coming up this next year. We are returning to Hobosh, Mexico. We have a trip to Cuba aboard the Georgiana. It's a live aboard yacht that we fish uh, with skiffs off of. Super fun. We have a Cuba cultural trip as well that's great for couples. And that is a follow-up trip to the Georgiana trip. You can do one or the other or both. We have a Belize trip in January. That is a super fun trip as well. And fingers crossed, hopefully we are doing a Christmas Island trip this year for the fifth attempt. Uh, they have had a very hard go post-COVID. So uh, hopefully we can get out there. So, And I would love for you to check out the information we have online about these different trips. And maybe you want to join us on one of them. Before we jump into this conversation with Jack, I want to quickly let you know about our, our subscription service, Fly of the Month. Our Fly of the Month Club ships you flies every month to be fished that next month. We send out an email explaining about the flies, how to fish them, where to fish them. We give you links on, on where to go, even information on how to tie these things up if you're a fly tire. It's a great way if you're a newer angler to build up your fly assortment, but also have flies that are effective that you know how to fish throughout the year. So check out Fly of the Month. We have it available for freshwater as well as Puget Sound saltwater. And it's there's information on our website for Fly of the Month. Now let's jump into the conversation with Jack. Welcome to an episode of the Gate Harbor Flycast. Today I have Jack Naughton on the show and he is one of our shop associates at the Fly Shop and he's been with us for a little bit and had a really cool experience going on his first tropical fly fishing trip down to Hobosh, Mexico with us recently. So I thought we'd sit down and talk about that. And I did a podcast earlier this morning with Nick English from Grundens. It was super rad. Check it out uh, on our channel or on the podcast app. Uh, if you haven't seen that one yet, that was a lot of fun with him. Uh, but but the difference with Nick and with Jack is that it's the afternoon. So I said, Jack, we're having cocktails. What would you like to drink? He said, some summer. It sounds like summer. It is beautiful outside. I wish I was actually out fishing and not just in the dark little studio. But we do have cocktails. And so, so cheers. Salute. Salute. So, uh... The, the cocktail we have here, what do you think? It's good. It's not bad. It is pretty good. Okay, so what it is is two ounces of 
Resposado tequila. There's a half of an ounce of fresh lime juice. There is a half of an ounce of Ishtabintun liqueur, which is from the Yucatan Peninsula. So I was trying to keep with the theme of um, of our podcast episode today. And there is also a fourth of an ounce of Orge syrup. And, oh, and then there's four ounces of pineapple juice. Topped off with? Oh, with a topped off with a Luxardo maraschino cherry. Quite possibly the best, the best cocktail garnish. There's some good. Yeah. I'm more in the camp of letting mine soak in the drink until the end. It's like a dessert. I almost always have the cherry at the end in a Manhattan, but bad enough. It's so good. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Very good. Okay. So, uh, so Jack, you've been with us since, um, June of 2021. Yeah, I believe. So, I think it started June 1st. I think I think you're probably right. Probably right. And you graduated from University of Puget Sound. Um but you're and you're actually from the area. A lot of UPS students are from well, I'm not. You're not from the area. No. No, I grew up all over the East Coast. Okay, Florida, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, New Jersey, then out to California. Well, I knew you're, yeah, I knew you're in the Bay Area for a while, but I just figured that you've been in the Northwest for a while since your mom's in Seattle. She moved up um, two years ago while I was in school. My brother went to uh, Seattle U, so I ended up up here, and she was like, well, I want to be close to the boys, so. Kids have a gravitational pull. Yeah, and it's cool because my stepbrother on my dad's side also lives in Tacoma, so. Okay. Got the whole family out here. Now, does anybody else in your uh, family fly fish? No. How did you get into it? So, Jack Wall, old employee, um, him and then a bunch of other buddies in college got into it in 2019, I want to say. Okay. Um, dad on the green. Um, it was, they asked me if I wanted to go fishing. I'd never been. And I was like, yeah, I'll hang out by a river and. Just kind of play around and not hang out with buddies. Yeah, and so, I mean, since then, it's always been that kind of thing. It's been, like, with buddies and a great way to hang out and meet people and huge social thing. Agreed. For Same for me. I, you know, I know some people, they love to, uh, they love the solitude and and the quiet and to just get away and just to go on and fish on their own. But I am way too much of an extrovert for that. Like, if I go out fishing on my own, I start missing people like after yeah. a, a little bit. I'm like, I wish, wish somebody else was here. <laughs> yeah, every once in a while, it's nice of like, you know, you got stuff going on in life and you just need to take time to sit and think. Okay. It's a great avenue for that. But nine times out of 10, I'm always trying to find a buddy to go with me. Yeah. Well, uh, we had a really fun uh, social extrovert trip uh, in fall of 21. I, I took you and uh, several of our other shop guys, uh, three, I think three of the other shop guys. And, uh, we helped host the trip in Montana and you guys hadn't been in Montana before. So it was an experience for you, but man, on the river, we had two boats. Uh, we had Doug rowing one boat. I was rowing the other boat and I had two get to you and, and Jack or Ike in the boat with me on. And we had a guy with Doug and, and Doug had his dad. And that was a good time. And that was, 
that was a lot of fun. So you've gotten to do some really fun trips with us um, and just learn a ton. It's amazing how much you learn in the fly shop. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like that was a huge thing of me wanting to join was like I was learning from college buddies and looking back at like I have my roommate was one of the guys that took me out that day. Um, and so I go out fishing with him nowadays. And when he tries making decisions, I quickly stop him from doing that. Um, but like coming to the fly shop a huge part of it was i wanted to learn how to fish i figured there was no better way to do it than to fully immerse myself in it yeah it is the full immersion i think working in a shop you get it's like you're on the accelerated path and you get like five you know five to eight years of fishing um experience knowledge like in maybe a span of six months yeah like it's it's you know super crazy and then you know i know that like people that you know, go guide in Alaska or, you know, they go do like a very concentrated uh, outfitter type thing. They have the same experience. So like they learn so much in that, that one little time. Well, we just had this really fun experience going to Hobosh, Mexico. And so this was something that was new for you and you learned a ton on that trip as well. And what were a couple of the, the takeaways for you? Um, you know, cause I think for some of some of our customers that are going to be watching this, you know, maybe they've never done a tropical fly fishing destination trip before, and they might be incredibly um, intimidated by that. They they might they might think that maybe their skill level is not high enough, their Spanish level is not good enough, that um, you know they're they're casting their balance, or you know, or maybe they think that the fish are just like really tricky, or um, and so. You know, for those of us that have done these trips a bunch, like we, I kind of, you know, I lose, I kind of lose that perspective of what it's like for a new, new person. And so, um, so maybe there's some warnings or maybe there's some encouragement that you could give to people that have never done that stuff before and are interested in, in maybe actually going on one of those type of trips. So for you, what were a couple of the things where you were surprised by that? You're like, oh man, this is, this part of it was, was different than I expected or was easier than I expected or harder than I expected. Yeah. So, um, I think breaking into two camps of like fishing styles of like open water and tossing stuff into mangroves are like two totally different things. Um, I expected sea run fishing and like really getting dialed on that to be like putting me in right where I need to be on this trip. And it did for a lot of it. Um, open water lagoons and like I wasn't great at sighting fish because that's not something we do here a bunch. Um, but like casting to rolling tarpon, snook, like that snook shot, I was able to put it right there where it needed to be. Yeah. Um, so like that wasn't too, too difficult um, other than really making sure I'm strip setting and I had a couple mistakes on that, but we figured it out. Um, Welcome to the club. Yeah. Yeah, we all, <laughs> even with cutthroat fishing, it's a strip set. Yeah. But for, for whatever reason, I think, I think the big thing is, is that when you feel a bite and then, and you know, you're supposed to strip set, if you don't see the fish, but you just feel the bite, the strip set is a lot more natural. Mm -hmm. The problem is you see the fish and your heart is pounding and you see the fish eat and, and it's just, you just want to lift up. You just want to like. It's like a flinch almost. Yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. So the the trout set. I think it's because of the the visible cue with the fish. I think that's one of the tricky things. So okay, so cutthroat fishing you thought was going to prepare you for this because of 
just because the beach requires distance and, and you end up just casting a lot. So you end up becoming a, a, a more, uh, you, you progress as a caster. So that part helped you. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. I'm very familiar. Moshe, sure. um, everything like that. With the casting part, open water still will say like day one, first shot I took, hop up, jacks. Yeah. Hearts pounding. Like these are the biggest fish I'd ever seen. They're going fast. So what we had, what we saw was we saw a school of Jack Raval and they were uh, probably a, about 100 to 200 feet off the beach, but in shallow water, maybe in five feet of water. And these fish, probably 200 of them in a school, very, very tight school. And they were probably 15 to 40 pounds. So a lot of them in the 20, 15 to 25 range. So they're very, very large fish. But, you know, for if you're trying to sight fish, and you're looking out looking for a fish and you don't realize that there's 200 fish together it's it's crazy how they can hide in plain sight because there there's just a blob of them out there yeah, it looks like eel grass or something yeah it looks like a big patch of grass it's like those are all fish and you know moving along it moved quick yeah they're moving quick so like up there that's first time i've cast a 10 weight other than on grass <laughs> so Made me realize should have practiced beforehand, which not a surprise. Uh, but like I was able to make a cast, had one of them chase it down. There was things that happened that didn't end up catching that fish, but like that was like my first step. And it's like, Hey, what's up? We're in Mexico. Um, so like once throughout the trip, I worked with the guides and like was able to get my cast really dot up like 60 feet on maybe like a tire size it's amazing and just before it we did a four-day trip and it's amazing how much you know when you're brand new to something like this how much progression you can experience in such a short amount of time and i think that that's even true for local fishing that sometimes people you know if they have too much time in between the days they go out fishing before you learn yeah yeah and if, but if you're fishing a couple of days in a row or you, you do a trip locally and you're you're on a wharf I mean, it's amazing how it kind of compounds on itself, you know? I and mean, then something else that was really nice was, like, it's not a very common thing, but I was able to fish with three guides. So I had three people to look at my cast and three different ways of explaining things, and that really helped. Um, especially last day, like, I was with Carlos, and he's like, all right, first, like, you pick up line. If that's not good, the rest of your cast isn't going to be good. And so he's like, all right, not a huge haul on your first back cast. Just a little... Yeah. And then shoot it. Yeah. That's all you need. I um, So, like, if I had that knowledge when we were taking shots at permit, hopefully it would have been a totally different game. And it's like, you know, next time we go or next time we get shots at permit, then um, maybe I actually have a chance of hooking one because I'm not freaking out because it's my first time. Well, and we all freak out even after a, a ton of time. And you permit it, they just somehow, they have like that freak out heart button. Like, they know how to hit, but they're like, here's an angler. Hit anxiety now, like being just yeah. <laughs> we had a really fun day where, um, where we were on this flat and we we're kind of working downwind, um, and it was of uh, the bottom structure was very variable. There was kind of like these pockets with grass with these like little deeper troughs and stuff, and we couldn't really see the fish very well, but. But Perret would just be coming up towards us. That was the direction they were moving up onto the flat. And and 
Jack and I just kind of kept trading the rod back and forth with shots. So, you know, we here comes two fish and I would throw out a cast to them and you know, they would, you know, I'd screw it up or whatever. And then I'd hand Jack the cast and then here we see, you know, a hundred yards, I mean, 150 yards away where we see the wake red. Oh, here comes more, here comes more. And then maybe it was like a school, maybe four or five or six, or maybe it was a solo and maybe it was a big one or sometimes they're small ones or whatever, but, but then he would take shots at it and then, and then they would go, you know, go beyond us. And then, you know, we just kept, how many times we even, we just did those. It was crazy. Like they just, the fish just kept coming and coming alive. Like it, yeah, we were just, yeah, I don't stop on the permit train. Like just like go. I was scrolling through my videos when I got home and I was deleting video after video after video of you taking shots. Yeah. And I was like, it hit a point where I was like, I'm tired of filming. And I put it away and it must have been five videos that I deleted at least. I, I love to know that you know my pain just a little bit of editing down the YouTube videos after these trips. The amount of footage that we, you know, but like at first that we would do these trips and I would take some video and then I'd come back and I'd, I'd go to edit or I'd give it to our editor. And when we had one at the time and it would be, it, you know, it, it would be like, it'd be good, but like, man, it'd be better if we had more footage. And, and so, you know, I just got kind of crazy with getting different footage and bringing different cameras and all this gear. And, you know, and now we're like, we're, we have so much footage, right? Like, you know, there's like three different GoPros going and there's, we got a drone and they got the big camera and all this. And then I get back and it's so overwhelming. I'm like, oh, wow. We have like hundreds of gigs of video and, and it's like hours of video and yeah, they're shooting in 60. Oh my gosh. It's, yeah, I know it's, uh, it's a little bit overwhelming. So it, it takes a while to just delete stuff and then, you know, sample things, delete them and then just try to find the good stuff and then try to find how you want to tell the story of the trip, you know, but, um, yeah, it's been cool. Like past, I'd say six months or so watching, like you kind of change a little bit of direction or something like that, but videos have gotten fantastic. I gotta say, this is time. Yeah. Time spent. It's, uh, I would, you know, we, we just started, um, doing these podcasts on video again. And I was editing one down the other day and, um, and I'm like, oh, these are just so much easier to edit. <laughs> Going stuff about whenever someone makes a mistake. So I don't know. It's as, yeah, we're, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty smooth and easy. Okay. So, so, you know, the, the whole boss experience, it was different out in the big water compared to back in the mangroves. What were the, what was some of the things about the mangroves? So that was way more similar to like the style of fishing that I do with like a four weight or the dress drive wide and like because of the precision. Um, and I never realized what it was going to be like, like I'd watched so many of those videos and I never sat and put myself in the seat. Yeah. Um, so like, uh, I'd, I Val would see a fish full side. Right. And he'd be like, okay, cast there. And I'm like, like where, right? Like, and he's like, you don't see that? And I'm like, no, I wouldn't be asking questions if I did. I wouldn't buy a pound of tarpon just hiding in plain sight in clear water. Yeah, I like, yeah, I don't see it. Yeah, so like, sighting fish, um, and then the whole idea of like the sidearm, and then our day with Val that he's like, okay, take everything you knew about fly casting and break it. Yeah, we're gonna stop low. We're gonna let the line roll out. Yeah. We're going to open up our loop, 
Yeah. Just all these things. And it's like, yeah. So, so that we can try to get that fly under the mangroves, closer to the mangroves and make a presentation where if we cast up, stop up high, which I mean, as an instructor, the amount of times I've been asking clients, like, please stuff up high with the fraud. Yeah. And then, you know, Valentin's like, you know, stop, stop down low. Like he wants a different angle on the line instead of it being horizontal. And it's not only to eliminate the flash of the line above the water that can spook fish when they see the flash, because as juvenile fish, you know, flashing movement, stuff like that above them is a predator. It's a burden, you know? And, and so, you know, we want to eliminate that. But the other part is too, as that line unrolls horizontally, um, at times, if you, if you don't make the cast just perfect and let the fly drop to the water, if the full, if the loop opens up, the fly, as it's opening up around the loop, will come down and slap the water and makes a much louder splash. And so they're trying to eliminate not only the flash overhead, but they're also trying to eliminate that big splash and try to get the, actually get the fly back in there yeah. underneath those pink crotters in the actual roots as opposed to shooting straight into the branches. Yeah. 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 I learned a ton. I mean, I, uh, he was a great instructor and, uh, I really, I really like Sam Flea's crew. They, he's got some really good guides. They're, they're very friendly and kind, um, that they, they get, you know, they get really excited about fish though. Right. Like, so I noticed that, like, I was thinking, depending on the day of what I'm doing, you got a different guide for each kind of data that I would pick. Like, oh, Carlos is going to be my perfect guide. Ah, because he's there and he's talking to you the whole time. And he's gone. And he's chilled. Yeah. And then you're with Val. I mean, so <laughs> Val's elbows in the ribs the whole time. I don't. Uh, so much energy. And it's like, it makes for such a fun day of fishing. Like, right. Shots of snook, tarpon, ladyfish, like all of that. That's, it felt like a party day. Yeah. And then, like, we were taking shots at the permit. It still felt like a party that you're trying to do something serious at. And that was a bit of a weird thing. But, like, I loved the energy of it. It was so fun. And, like, he kept me up the whole time. There was one guide that I think you would appreciate. I think every person would appreciate. There's this guide in Cuba. His name's Rydell. And he does something that I've seen no other saltwater guide do. But I think every saltwater guide should do this. And I have kind of, I, I've kind of incorporated some of like what he does into uh, like what I do out on the water with clients, um, just because this was so helpful. What he does is he'll stand next to you on the front of the boat right in the beginning of the morning. And uh, he'll say, let me see your rod, please. And he'll grab the rod and he'll say, when I say nine o'clock, this is nine o'clock. And he takes the rod and he makes a cast. So where you're standing, he shows you where a nine o'clock cast is. He says, this is 10 o'clock right here. This is 11 o'clock. And he's like, just making casts. He's like, I'm not going to tell you to make a 12 o'clock cast because I don't want to get hooked. You know, one o'clock, I'm going to turn the boat or you might have to back cast. Um, and so he like breaks that whole thing down and like he shows you, he demonstrates. And then he grabs the line, he pulls more line off the reel. And he says, 30 feet is right here. Pulls more laugh here. It's like 40 feet is right here. 50 feet is right here. I'm not going to tell you 60 feet. Like he, he's just, he's great. And then, you know, so he'll, then he'll just put it on you and say, when I say, I see a fish at 70 feet, I'm not telling you to cast. I'm just telling you where the fish is. 70 feet at 10 o'clock. 
and then moving right. And then you, so you can look for it. He wants you to point to where he's trying to talk and says, yes, do you see it? And then you, you, he wants you to tell him no or yes. And then he, then he'll say, okay, cast. And then you, you know, maybe he'll tell you, okay, 10 o'clock, 50 feet or 10 o'clock, 40 feet cast now. And like, and then he will make the cast and show you what a 40 foot cast at 10 o'clock is, uh, you know, and it, he just does, it does our expectations it, and it doesn't take very long to do it, you know, but, but sometimes, you know, guides are, they have all different styles. And when it comes to sight fishing, some of them are very talkative when it comes to, you know, the, where the direction of the fish is at or the distance, you know, some guides, they just, do you see the fish? Do you see the fish cast out? You're like, dude. <laughs> I got a mile of both. Which direct? Yeah. So, um, so I wish more guides did that, like Rydell. Um, but, but yeah, I love fishing with Valentine. Um, and I think for some people, they might get a little bit anxious and worked up because he is so passionate and so excited and just like he's just going crazy. I mean, it, it's we even took a clip of uh, while I was editing down the video. I took this clip of just uh, the guy just freaking out of both you know the fish and when the strips glow strip strip he's just like going crazy and i like took this clip and i said to, to a couple of the guys and i'm like hey you can save this as a ringtone on your phone <laughs> it's awesome but um but i i don't get super worked up by his excitement but i think some other people would um i i love to share that part of it and i tried in the in the edit of the the hobosh video that we did I tried to try to bring out that part of his passion and excitement. I tried to, with that, yeah, I tried to keep all that in there because he's just like, is such a fun guide and so excited about it that I wanted, I wanted to make sure that that footage was in there so people could just kind of get an appreciation for how much he loves. And he's the guy for a long time. Yeah. But he loves it. He's just passionate about it. And, and, um, yeah, it, so exciting. Okay, what about other things that you learned? Um, because you caught, you actually caught some species of fish that you had never even fished for. I'm like, how the bull? All of fish. Well, and yeah, so the well on the trip, you got okay. So we got uh, a tarpon in, yeah, um, a snapper while trying to permit fish that I never even saw. Right. Um, ladyfish, snook. Is that it? I don't know, but I think that's it. Yeah, and if I have eats from needlefish that. I just wanted to see what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Bad things. Bad things. Bad things. Yeah. <laughs> you know, fish, man, they're listening to be evil. Like, if you want to have a, a good time, uh, you know, do a Google on, like, needlefish injury or something like that. Like, it's... Don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. And those things, like, they, they're this these long fish, and, gosh, what do they look like? They look like a, like a gar. Yeah. Like an alligator gar or, like, Kind of shaped like a cuda, like they're a long, skinny fish, and like tapers on both ends. Yeah, and they're fast, and they they'll skip across the surface of the water, like blasting fast. And uh, like people have gotten them, like you know, their bill or their yeah, I guess it's a bill, um, bill like their mouth, like what would it be called? I don't know, but admit, yeah, the the front of them, like you know, stuck through their leg, or we saw one where it's like in the guy's neck, and it's like, oh my goodness, it's like no thank you, no no thank you. Uh, what other what are things about like Hobosh? Maybe you can talk about fishing if you want, but maybe just other aspects of, you know, being in Mexico in the Yucatan Peninsula. What was what was you know in Hobosh? What was some things that you thought were cool and Sunday wises? Oh my gosh, every sunrise probably made on the top ten list. Yeah, those were. Uh, 
incredible. The stars at night, Doug and I would go and hang out on the beach and just have a little chat at night and to like sit out and be able to see it. And like, there's still tons of light pollution behind us, but way more stars than I can see. Like yeah. Tacoma. Yeah. Um, so that was always nice. Uh, um, hanging out at the like club after fishing and just like shooting with the guide. I think. Yeah. Thumb. Yeah. That was always such a fun time. There was one time I went, I was trying to find you guys after they had fishing and you weren't there. And I was figured, well, Rooster's here. I'll know that. Or no, Val. Yeah. Um, I'll know you guys are back. So I was just waiting for him really. Yeah. Cut to me, like spending an hour and a half there just by myself with all the guides and yeah. like telling fish stories. Oh, it's so fun. Yeah. I, so one of the things that I love about this trip is after, after the fishing, just getting to hang out at, at Sam Fleet's house, you know, give a lot of beers and hang out and stuff like that. And his wife is so hospitable and, and she's just incredible. And she, she brings out all the spoon and stuff like that. But, but like, I love avocados and I love guacamole, but the guacamole she makes, she puts the absolute perfect mango in it. And like, I don't know what else is in there but it is ridiculous probably like, a little bit of love i don't know i just want a spoon i don't even need chips like just give me a spoon yeah and and the crazy thing is like she brings out this this bowl of guacamole i swear it took 50 avocados to make it like it, it is huge it is a huge batch of guacamole gone in 10 minutes <laughs> yeah we're just like piling on the plate and so the day that i was there looking for you guys they made um i think called it agua chile which was this platter and it was lined with fruit yeah and it was kind of like a ceviche shrimp but it was just like very small or man i missed out in half oh and they had like habaneros and stuff all over it long i'm they're killing me. This is not a story you should be telling me. I, I don't want really to miss out on this. Yeah, you did. Oh, no, I feel horrible now. <laughs> but, like, that was so... Uh, I've been trying to find a recipe for that. So, yeah, well, we should have asked Sampley about it. It was just here. Yeah. Oh, oh, my God. It's cool. Uh, anything else about Vobosh that you want to share or encouragement to people that are new, maybe newer anglers or, um, you know, sometimes people go, oh, I'm not good enough to go on a trip like that. And, um, so no thoughts. One thing I'd say is I've been running up a blog post that kind of goes over like the whole experience day to day going through like the successes, the failures, a little bit of a story. Um, well, they, we will link that in the, um, the show notes and in the description, depending on if you're on the podcast app or on YouTube, we'll link that so you can check out his blog post on that. Yeah. So that's like one thing I'd say, check it out. Um, but I mean, I've been fishing seriously for like two years in total for like five years. I didn't fish as a kid or anything like that. Um, not on gear, like fly fishing has been my intro to fishing. I figure it's, it's still just fishing. You put the fly in front of the fish, you have the hook, you fight the fish. Okay. So all there is to it. There you go. Um, and so I, I brought, I came into it with oozing with confidence. <laughs> and I figured like confidence is like, what stops people from succeeding a lot of things like if you don't have it if you're questioning this questioning that and so i figured i'm not going to question anything i'm going to come in saying that i'm going to kill it <laughs> i think i kind of did got a tarp into hand day one there you go doesn't suck doesn't suck um but as far as specifics i'd say practice casting a big rod yeah um 
throw some sidearm casts because that's predominantly what we're doing. Um, maybe a couple bow and arrow casts here and there. If you don't know how to do wall, I, I honestly don't really know how to do that, especially with a ten way. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, um, bring sunscreen. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of sunscreen. Lots of sunscreen. Sun protective clothing. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, if you haven't been, if you haven't traveled much. Uh, a trip like the Hobos trip is, uh, it's a very cool trip. It's a cultural experience, but it's not so out of, you, you won't be so out of your comfort zone that, um, that it's, you know, I mean, it's, it's a comfortable trip. Um, the food, the accommodations, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I would say that with some of the other trips that we do as well, uh, would fall into that same category, not something to be afraid of. The Cuba trip that we do is is definitely exotic. Like it's a it's a pretty wild, cool trip, especially with the cultural part of it. Um, but uh, even then, I think people that have not traveled much just you know can feel comfortable on that trip. Um, just the way that we have the trips lined up and organized, and um, yeah. So check out our website. We have some links down here below, and um, and we would love for you to join us on a trip, and uh, hopefully we'll see you out on a trip in uh, with us in the tropics it would be you know today is beautiful in gate harbor but it's not always like that. it ain't always like that right so um yeah it'd be great to be in you know be someplace sunny you know i'm thinking belize yeah now thinking belize right now okay jack thanks for joining us today on uh this episode of the gig harbor Flycast. if you haven't subscribed yet make sure you subscribe so you get updated with all the other new stuff that we have coming out we'll see you in the next one thanks now, real quick, before you go, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jack. And I just want to remind you to check out the information on our website regarding our upcoming trips for this next year. Perhaps you want to join us on one of them. And also check out Fly of the Month while you're there on our website. Our Fly of the Month subscription service is a great way to ensure that you have the right flies for where you're going to be fishing this summer.